0: I'm Laura Max Rose mother of two and you're listening to look ma no hands my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood I ask the real tough honest questions on motherhood related topics that we're all wanting to know more about in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling easier and more joyful if you're not a mom welcome I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look Ma No Hands. I am your host, Laura Max Rose, and this is a super special episode for me today because I am interviewing somebody who I've known Since I was six years old, at a minimum, I think, Brad Deitzer, founder founder and CEO of Deitzer, an award-winning management consulting firm, as well as the Deitzer Clarity Institute, a think tank, idea accelerator, and innovative learning center. But before all that, a family friend who's as close to me as an actual family member. Brad, welcome to the show.
1: I am so excited to be on your show and so excited to talk to you. And thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm so excited to have you. My first memories of Brad are him playing hide and seek with me when I was just six years old. And as I got older and his kids were born and got older, I had the honor and privilege of babysitting them um, sort of up through until they got to high school. And one thing I always remember about Brad is that as a professional and as a person, he's the same way he is as a father. He was so focused on them and their lives and his outlook on everything was always so positive. Um, He brought so much joy to everything he touched, to his family, to his career, to me while I was growing up. He was such an example of a joyful life. It's been such a powerful influence on me till this day and in many days I know going forward. And it makes a lot of sense to me that Brad is on the show today talking about how we can look at things through a different lens during a very uncertain time. When I asked Brad what he wanted to talk about today, I felt this huge sigh of relief because as I see people on my Facebook and Instagram sharing memes about 2020 being the worst year in existence, which I totally understand. It's been a very challenging year. Brad said, you know, why do we want to give up on this year? Great things can still happen. I'm going to dive right in. I want to know how can great things still happen this year and how do we really embrace that there is so much more possibility than perhaps we're aware of?
1: Thanks for the introduction, and uh, I feel the same way about you. And uh, you just—you make me smile, and I think you make everyone you touch smile. So, you know, when when I think about 2020, people say all the time, "I just can't wait for it to be over." And I always ask the question, "Why? Why do we want to give up time?" You know, every day is an opportunity for us to see something, for us to do something, for us to explore or learn. And I have the mindset that I can make great things, something great happen today. And if I can take that idea and make today a great day and make tomorrow a great day, it's day by day. And when we look in the aggregate and say, oh, this year is not a good year, That may be how we choose to look back at the year. But while we're in it, we have an opportunity to create something with it. So don't give up.
0: That narrative that this year is over or this year is just the worst year ever, when we keep repeating that, we start to believe it.
1: All the time. There's one of the things that we work with, with leaders and people on all the time is this idea of energy. And just working on the constant flow of positive energy through your through your through your body. And one of the things that happens is is that there are these circuit breakers. There are these things that impede our energy. And one of them is labeling. When we label things, we label this as the worst. Well, what happens? We stop the flow. And so it's up to us to allow that to continue and not label it.
0: The first thing that comes to my mind is the news we have this constant influx of news, more so now, not because of the 24-hour news cycle but because of our phones. I'm 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 getting notifications from news outlets that I didn't even sign up to get notifications from. It's like almost impossible to avoid, but they have this narrative about our lives and I think right now almost more than ever, it's just permeated our culture and it's it feels overwhelming and sometimes impossible to step outside of that. So Do you have certain boundaries or rules around the way that you take it in and things that you suggest to your clients and the people in your life around it?
1: So I am someone who loves the news. I love to watch it. I love to read it. And what's happened over the last three or four months is I've realized that I'm not sure what the news is anymore. It's so much opinion. It's so many other people's ideas as experts that I've decided to push it away. And I really work to limit what news that I listen to, I watch. And one of the most important things is I never look at the news right when I get out of bed, because when I look at the news that often creates, we talk about the energy, it stops my energy. It redirects my positive kind of outlook for the day. So I save the news for later. It can wait. It's going to change anyway. So let it go. Be informed, but don't let it control your, your mind and your perspective.
0: Most of the people that I've spoken to who have their head on their shoulders and are getting through each day right now with somewhat of a positive perspective have said something along the lines of what you've said, which is that we can't look at it first thing. And we really need, even if you love, I mean, I love the news too. I went to school for journalism. It's something that makes me feel connected. Um, I don't typically think of it as being something that's taken away from my happiness, or I don't think about myself as being somebody who watches it too frequently. But right now, when it's all consuming, I think it is so important to have boundaries around it. So you mentioned that you have daily gratitude practices that you implement in your life, whether we're in pandemic or not, that have really helped in these really uncertain times. Tell me more about them.
1: Everything that we, that we work with organizations and people and leaders about is the idea of positivity. And so most people think about positivity as being happy, and it's hard. It's hard in these times to be happy, whether your kids are at home, whether it's just the ability, not the ability to go out and do what we normally do. So our research and our work over the last 20 years has really dug into the idea of positivity. And we have found that the definition of positivity is inspiration, mindful, happy, optimistic, and grateful. Those are the five elements of positivity. And so we work every day. I work every day on one or more of those levers of of positivity. Gratitude is something that we hear about and talk about all the time. And people say, well, write down what you're grateful for. Express gratitude to others. And one of my favorite exercises is called gratitude. And it's the idea of every single day, write down something that you're grateful for about you. Not Mm. your family, not your kids, not your job, not your spouse, not anything else, but you. And every day that you write one thing down, the next day it has to be something different. So try 30 days of gratitude and you realize how hard it is. It's easy to be grateful for everyone else But when we think about each of ourselves as the leader of you, it starts with us. And so having gratitude for ourselves, that's one thing I do. There's the positivity quotient that evaluates where we are on inspiration, mindfulness, happiness, optimism, and gratitude. And I evaluate that every day and give myself a score. just gives me a quick check-in. So there's so many different things. We have a bunch on our website that are just free downloadable things to to inject positivity inject gratitude into your daily life.
0: So the difference between being grateful for what's around us and instead directing that gratitude inward is it helps us get that perspective that we actually do have a lot of control over the way we view the world around us.
1: Absolutely. The reality is, is that this idea of the leader of you—we give ourselves. You talked about it before. These labels. We're labeling years. We label ourselves. I'm just this. I'm just uh, that. I'm I'm just a carpool dad. I'm I'm a soccer. What all these labels? But the label mm-hmm. that's the most important is we're a leader. We're a yeah. leader of ourselves. We're a leader of our families. And so when you think about the leader in you. It starts with understanding and appreciate the good, the uniqueness that we all have inside of us. And so that's why this gratitude is so important. We're always conditioned to, be, to think about everyone else around us, to do, to serve. And that's what we do. But when we stop and we think about ourselves and we think about what we're grateful for, Every single day, finding 30 things you're grateful for about yourself is hard. And the question it is- sounds hard. But why? Think right. about you. Think about your energy, your happiness. Think about all the things that you have inside you. I bet you could do it and you'll go, wow, I, I forgot about these things that I really appreciate about me. There are other exercises that you can do from a positivity, from a gratitude perspective, that once you do that, you're grateful for you, you can look outward. But take time to think about you.
0: Well, it makes sense because the more I appreciate myself and my own light, the more I can see it in other people. I mean, there's a direct correlation between the gratitude that I have for myself and the way that I'm seeing myself and the way that I see the world around me. It's like when you're having a really terrible day, um, you kind of tend to go out in the world and you get that back from other people. And when you're having a really great day, And you're seeing things through the lens of how wonderful everything is. You tend to notice that more often. And it's an active practice. I think many people, you know, they spend their lives reacting. This is either a good day or a bad day, and I'm just going to react to that. But what you're saying, and what I love to put into practice, is that we really have a lot of control over the days that we have by taking action and by really looking at the things about ourselves that we appreciate so we can see that in other people. Um so you help large organizations navigate tumultuous times of change which I believe probably makes you very busy right now which you've told me that you are. Um it's easy as an outsider to see organizations navigating this really well and other ones that clearly haven't been able to do the same. What are some of the things that we can learn from the organizations that are navigating this uncertain time successfully?
1: I think the first thing and it it applies to organizations, but I think it applies to each of us as individuals, and that is tethering to our foundation. So when I say tether to our foundation, we each have a value system. Our values, the things that are really most important to us, to who we are, we can't lose in times like this. And organizations that become untethered from their values, untethered from... Their ethos, their their whole reason for being are lost. So, the number one lesson is really tether to your values, tether to the things that make you you. The other thing is, and we talk about a lot with positivity, is the idea of connecting to our desired future state. We have lost the ability to dream. We believe that it's not right in times like these to dream about about happy things, about things that can be in the future. It's just about survival. And organizations that focus solely on survival will never get to their desired future state. So that's two things. The other is we talk a lot about humanizing connections, really trying to be much more human. Um, We're so quick today to elevate kind of the art of reacting. We all have to have a response as opposed to just yeah. listening and, 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 and taking in. And so when we talk about humanizing to leaders of companies, it's telling them to stop writing memos to their whole company, write a memo to their mom, mm. like they were writing the whole company, erase mom, and then put in the whole company. It has feeling, it has emotion. Eliminate the word why. Eliminate the word why in your home. It's not a good word. I know that there's best-selling authors who uh, will tell you it's, the, it's a great word, and there's a lot of po- positive uses for it. But think about what happens when we use the word why. why. Why did you do that? Why did you not? If we change it and humanize it and say, help me understand, it doesn't create a barrier. So, it's about humanizing relationships. It's about adding 15 seconds to the conversation. Our kids are best at this saying, fine, good, whatever. But if we engage 15 seconds, 15 seconds is 30 more words. We have time for that. And we begin to condition a different response. So, when I think about watching what companies are doing, it's they're humanizing their their connections inside the organization, and those are the same things that we can do instead of getting frustrated with people on the phone who are uh, at the airlines or at a uh, trying to make a return imagine visualize put a different face on them someone you know and think about talking to someone you know and watch how your attention changes watch how your words change and so this is all part of humanizing connections being positive connecting to our foundation tethering you know to 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 what matters most so those are the few things that you know I think about that that are lessons that we see with companies but they're also applicable to uh, all of us every single day
0: well it's so interesting that you say that because i've recently been talking to parenting i talked to a parenting coach in my last episode And I'm not sure if it was her who said it or somebody else that I've interviewed recently about asking our kids when they're they're upset, you know, why are you upset? That that actually immediately makes them feel invalidated and they don't really want to share with us what's wrong or if they are, they feel like it's silly or stupid. And that that question actually is the wrong question to ask. And so to hear you saying that about dealing with adults feels really validating to me because I actually, I know what you're talking about. You know, we talk about finding our why- I have never been able to answer that question in a way that feels sufficient, and it's never quite worked for me. So I want to hear more about other questions that we can ask ourselves and others instead of why.
1: In in the workplace, you know, I I I often get work with leaders to ask the the, the question of, "Help me understand." So it's not putting the onus mm-hmm. on the person on the other side. It's about and that's the problem with
0: why. It. It's making it their fault. It's making it their responsibility. When you say help me understand, you're making it about you.
1: Right, you're empowering them. They're mm-hmm. the ones who have the information. Whether it was something that they didn't do well or not, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about. Let's talk about what happened. Okay, well let's talk about it. There is no judgment with why. There is judgment. We're putting up barriers that don't need to exist in our own home. Why? Why didn't you do this? Well, there's judgment on that. You know, hey, how, let's let let's talk about how can we get this done in the future. We can't change yesterday, but as we go forward, let's talk about how can we do this differently. How because can we we're a team absolutely. I think
0: that dynamic that develops in families, that's sort of accusatory. Why didn't you do the dishes? Why aren't you helping me? I think it's really a reflection of just our entire culture. And to question that is really revolutionary. I mean, I don't, I know I'm always thinking about ways to be more constructive, but starting with just that one question and how destructive it can be is probably something I've never considered. So that's really amazing. Along with connecting to our desired future state and that propelling us into more possibility, which I think is really interesting because, you know, I've been at home here and I think in the beginning I was definitely in survival mode for about two months. I did a ton of interviews about the flight or fight response and extra cortisol in our bodies and how that's really affecting us. And as things started to level out a little bit, um, I do find myself dreaming about our future and the excitement. And I found myself telling some friends the other day, you know, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm really starting to remember that there's going to be life beyond this. And we shouldn't just be wondering if that's going to happen. We should be planning for it. Another friend of mine said to me a very long time ago when I was in college, he said, Laura, always remember to be excited. No matter what's happening in your life, remember to be excited because there's so much coming up around the corner. And just looking at my life through that lens, I feel so grateful that he said that to me about a decade ago because I always do feel that way. Even if there's not something specific, I always remember to be excited because there's going to be something exciting coming around the bend. And you also talk about understanding that it's people who drive success. That the reason why these types of interactions that we have with our colleagues, with our family members, are so important is because people drive success. Which is exactly the opposite of, you know, coming down on your family members or coming down on your colleagues and being harsh or negative. It tends to drive down
1: success. Yeah, when people when people are empowered, when people um, feel that they have a different future. They let go of their preconceived ideas and the constraints that they had, and they're able to reach further. They're able to, to as, as we talked about, dream and, and, and be part of something that's bigger. And so we're big believers in the idea that creativity and innovation and performance come from thinking inside the box. Because our research for 30 years has shown that that's actually where this comes from. But what people don't understand is when they, the box doesn't have to be constrained to be a small box. It's just your individual box. And when you have- So tell me
0: more, because we always say, I mean, I grew up hearing, think outside the box, think outside the box. So what do we gain from switching that to inside the box?
1: We gain- so much by thinking inside the box. One is we stop comparing ourselves to everything and everyone else around us. We define the box that is right for us. We can lead based on the parameters of who we are, what we have, what we are. As an organization, um, this, is, this is our box. And leaders can lead from knowing, from the setting the expectations of those parameters. People in an organization want to belong. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And so when they have that framework, it's just like in kindergarten. You know, we play inside the sandbox, it is a constrained space. We can create magical things in that space. People want to be part of that. They know what they're part of. In a society that throws a lot of things at you, we have control in knowing that this is. My box.
0: Do you think that having kids taught you a lot about that mindset? Because I'm hearing you and I'm thinking, I feel like I have all of these secrets almost, things that I've learned from become from being a mother about how to foster happiness, because it's almost counterintuitive to what we've been taught by society. So much of my kids' joy comes from being inside the box. I've never put that term to it but this sort of structure and like things being very simple and very straightforward and like making an activity out of something very simple. I I find that the more elaborate I try to make our day, the more of a mess it really is. Do you find that some of what you've learned as a leader comes from your experience as a parent?
1: I think you learn so much from your kids every single day. You learn about what real love is. You learn about joy. And one of the books that my kids had to read um, when they were in school, is a book called The Other Westmore, and one of my favorite lines from that book was, "It's we're we're not products of our environment; we're products of our expectations." Hmm. And so, when we set the expectation for ourselves that we're going to achieve something great, when we set the expectations with the box of this is the framework. And what we can achieve as an organization, as a family, um, we're able to achieve it. When we, it, 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 the the idea of expectations, I think I've learned from my kids is that when we believe that they can do anything and be anything, chances are, we're right. Yeah. Setting so that expectation, and and um, you know, I think our our, our kids when we listen. To them, when we listen to what they say, when we listen to what they do, what they don't say, I think it's one of the great places for learning uh, in our lives.
0: I also think about what you said about comparison. So many of us, by default, especially with social media, we compare ourselves to other people. But it's much easier to see that if you were to do that with your family and you were to say to your children, well, look at what that family is doing. We should be more like them. How destructive that would be. Yet we, by default, sort of speak to ourselves this way all the time. It's much more obvious kind of to see it that way and through that lens. And I guess it's sort of the same with a company or an organization, You know, when we look inward, what are are we about? What matters so much to what matters the most to us? And stop looking at what other people are doing. We thrive. Do you find that with organizations? I mean, I look at competing companies like take VRBO and Airbnb, just as an example. Um, I imagine it can be very easy, especially in turbulent times to look next door and say, well, how are they handling this? But do you find that the organizations that are most successful are the ones that are just really staying in their own lane?
1: Absolutely. The most important thing, going back to some of the lessons, are tethering to our foundation. And when we can be true to who we are, whether we are a company, a leader, an individual, when we are true to who we are, we have a much better chance to succeed and so tethering to why our purpose why we exist tethering to our the characteristics of things that have always been true and unique about us tethering to our values and the behaviors that define us when we focus inward when we focus on who we are and create the best version of ourselves we are able to go achieve something when we are copying and emulating and always chasing someone else we can never achieve it because it's not who we are
0: it's not who we are i can't help but hear everything you're saying and just think about how important almost an aggressive pursuit of turning inward is i mean especially with especially with social media i mean i have there's someone in my circle who has a podcast that's so similar to mine but it's also not and i can get very wrapped up in thinking that they're the same and when she does something one way i think i have to do it that way and you know she's been at this for much longer than I have. And we are different people. And in this world where I probably wouldn't even be in touch with her anymore if it wasn't for social media, I think we have access to so much information. We have access to so much of what other people around us are doing. I think we need to be very intentional. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Really intentional about shutting off our phone, um, really like aggressively staying focused on what we're about and taking all the energy. I almost have this memo in my head. Like whenever I'm looking at her Instagram feed or what she's promoting, like flip the switch, get off and focus on something that you are doing, like make something that you are doing better or remember what like she belongs here and she has a purpose on this earth just like you, but yours is different. There's a reason why you're here as well as she is.
1: Absolutely. And uh, there's two big ideas there. One is the idea of intentionality, and it's, 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 uh, it's my passion. It's what I'm writing my next book on. But it's about the intentional life, about living an intentional life. And part of living an intentional life is going back to this concept of embracing the leader of you, embracing who you are. Mm. We are so influenced by all the things happening and one of the things that I, that I hope will happen as we look back and reflect on, you know, the last few months of the pandemic and what's going on is that we have what we have. And I hope that most people, I hope that all people can look and say, you know what, what I have is not just good enough. It's better than that. Because what I have is what's going to get me through whatever I'm working through, whatever I have is what's going to take me to the next place. And that's part of that linking that intentionality and positivity and leader of you all together and really knowing that it's good enough. I keep
0: thinking about that as far as our challenges as well. You know, we have we the whole world shut down, but everybody got stuck in a different situation. I have friends who don't have kids and they're stuck with their spouses, and like everything's coming up for them because they're in a house together and nobody can leave. And then I have friends who are stuck at home with their kids, and it's like family time all the time and figuring out how to make that dynamic work. I have friends who Um, are single and they're alone and it's like compounded alone time and they're realizing, okay, you know what? I actually really want to find somebody to share my life with. And it's bringing up stuff no matter where we are. It's like whatever we needed to heal, we got stopped there. Um, And that we're all snowflakes. We all have different things that we need to heal and different things to offer. And what I hear you saying is that cultivating that is truly the path to happiness and success. In our lives, and you're writing a book about it, which is amazing. I'm going to ask you about that. And before I do, I want to ask you about your first book, Leading Clarity. So tell us about Leading Clarity and what inspired you to write it, because it was your first book. Tell me a little bit about the process and why you felt compelled to write on that topic.
1: I never thought that I would write a book. Um, I it's it's not something that was ever something that I said, I gosh, I, I have to do this. I want to do this. And um, uh, Sean Acor, who is one of the top experts in the world on positive psychology, um, did an event with me and said to me afterwards, he said, you've got to write a book. And I said, Sean, I have about two pages to write. And he said, no, Brad, he said, tell your story. You have a story. And I said, I, I don't know, Sean. And so um, over a a few month period, I began to talk with someone who helped me to kind of bring out a bunch of ideas. And uh, that's where the kind of the birth of Leading Clarity came from. And um, it's the story of our process as um, about thinking inside the box. It's about alignment. It's about positivity. It's about how important design and intentionality is in our lives as 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 leaders, and um, it just became something that uh, I loved to write. I loved sharing ideas. It was the most frightening time of my life. Uh, once I wrote the book, I realized that people are going to have different perspectives. They're going to disagree. They're going to criticize, uh, whether they read or don't read. Um, and so it was it was really an incredible time of growth to say this is me. This is the story that I want to put out. And, um, I've heard so many incredible things from people all around the world who have read the book, embraced it, changed their lives, changed, uh, their pathway. And, um, I'm not even sure that was the intent of the book, but they found things in it, um, that helped them uncover things that are masquerade. We talk about masqueraders of clarity, um, things that have changed their leadership. And so, uh, it's been a real privilege and an honor to to, to do and to share, and um, we loved it. Loved, I've been meaning
0: it. to ask you this question for a while, actually. What was it that really sparked your interest in learning more about positivity and workplace culture? Is that something that you've always been interested in, or is it something that happened in your adulthood that made you say, "I want to do things differently and help other people do things
1: differently"? I wish I had the perfect answer to that. I probably could go back to my childhood. And I think about my parents, no matter what was happening, no matter how challenging things were. And somehow every day was a bright blue day with, you know, the blue sky day with, uh, you know, a giant (laughs) Your, I I mean, whenever I
0: see your mom, it's like the hills are alive with the sound of music. So I totally, it's like,
1: yeah, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. My grandmother uh, was blind and every day she said, isn't today a beautiful day? And so I think that there was something that was part of my DNA growing up. Every trip we went on, it didn't matter if it rained every day, and my dad would say, "Kids, isn't this the best trip we've ever been on?" So, mm-hmm. I think that part of that positivity was ingrained, and I don't know when it it came out. Um, and but I looked at it and I think part so much of our research and our work as a company has been around the idea of positivity and performance. And I go back to my days working at Ringling Brothers and thinking about, you know, how positivity, performance, thinking inside the box, all these things kind of came together. And um, I'm really excited because we're in a couple weeks about to re- uh, release a, a white paper on positivity and performance that gives a really definitive link between positivity and performance. So i um, I'm I'm excited about that, and it's it's a huge part of who I am and how we help work with leaders. It's a big part of our institute in, in in how we coach people going through transitions is understanding that positivity is the glue that binds you to your desired future state. It is that that thing that holds us to our dreams and and gets us where we're going. So.
0: Well, I think the world really needs that message right now. And on the other side of that, I see so many people who are perhaps really depressed by what's going on right now or they're not well rested because they're at home with however many children they have and thinking this is when I should be writing my book or this is when I should be doing this and I'm pushing and like you really can't create your best work from that state and to just understand that there are times of rest and there's times that are going to be challenging and really We need to, um, you know, we're not going to be in productivity mode all the time by any stretch and that understanding that this, that, that positivity breeds creativity. It breeds success in our lives probably can also help us in reverse, give ourselves more grace when it's challenging to cultivate any of that, maybe start with the basics, um, and understand that these are challenging times and there are going to be, um, times where we feel perhaps more rejuvenated but there's also times for rest and this could be one of them. So right now you're writing about intentionality. Tell us about when that book is coming out and what you're writing about.
1: So the book, I was hope I had hoped would be finished, but just like you said, there's different times and different seasons for for our work with things. So mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit um and I thought that I would have uh, the book done in a couple months I realized that I had to channel my energy and uh, my work in other places. So I put that on, I put that aside and only now am I coming back to it. And I realized that it was so important that things happen for a reason. And it was so important to put the book down and not to force something at a time that would have just added another layer of stress now that I have a chance to breathe and 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 have a different perspective on some things, it's really helped with the flow of what we're writing, and I think it's so appropriate for where where we are today, and I think where the world will be as we look into uh, the next year and years after that. And so, when is it going to be done? My hope is the book is going to be done in a couple months, and the publishing process and depending on which publisher chooses to, to take the book. It'll probably be sometime uh, early next year, but uh, that, I'm excited about it.
0: So when you, Brad Deitzer, look into the future and you're excited and you feel good about it, what do you see?
1: I, I see that same blue sky and bright sun, and I see a world of possibility. I see that there is opportunity even in challenge. I see that um, people are connecting in ways that are healthy, that are helpful. Um, I see us build community in a way where it's constructive, it's positive, where our children have the ability to experience um, the best of people, the best of life and the best of what it means to be part of this wonderful world that we live in.
0: I look at our lives before all of this happened. And so many of us, when this first hit, talked about just wanting to go back to that. But I look at our lives and our kids were on phones all the time. (laughs) Um, There were so many things that we were so concerned about. There were school shootings happening way more frequently than, I mean, they should never happen, but they were happening all the time and all of these things were sort of coming to a head but they weren't getting our attention and in so many ways i can't help but think that even though many of us are uncomfortable right now we're actually way better off than we were and that the future looks much better than we could have imagined had this not happened is that something that you find yourself
1: thinking i think this whole time we've been through is has given us a chance to reflect on what's important to us it's given us a chance to clear things out I'm someone who loves to run, I, I not run physically, but go from activity to activity to activity. Uh, there's not a night that I don't like going to a restaurant or finding the next place to travel. And what this time has meant to me is a time to step back and appreciate just the beauty and the goodness of just being together as a family having dinner around the table, having conversations that quite honestly wouldn't happen in a restaurant. They wouldn't no. happen if we weren't in this wonderful routine uh, that, that we've been in some ways forced to be in. And so yeah. instead of thinking about it being forced, this is the time to embrace the change. Our world is going to continue to change. We are going to be in a place of constant transitions. We're going to navigate. We're going to be have our feet in multiple worlds going forward. Embrace the chaos. Embrace the change. We have an opportunity with that change to find something really special, something different, something that we can create. We can find a space for ourselves. This time is a time that I think we'll look back on And for everyone who has been really hurt financially, that's hard to overcome. If you've had health issues, it's hard to overcome. But we're here today, and how do we go forward? How do we take good and go forward with it?
0: I was on a conference call with your wife and your daughter like three or four days ago. I don't know if you even know this, but I was talking to them about how when I had both of my kids, you know, my husband gets Petrified when I go into labor. It is like he cannot he just I, I joke like every time with a doctor, I'm like, you're gonna have to give my husband the epidural. So he's just in this panic that I'm not gonna be okay. And typically, you know, I don't really think i I, I would have just assume that I was going to be okay, but because of his panic, I start thinking, well, like what if I'm not? And the first thing that pops into my head, um each time I have a kid, both both times, is you know the thing that i would miss the ol- the only thing that i really care about the big thing that i care about is my family and the people here and my relationships and that i just want to be with my family and those two times in my life just showed me that while i have all these passions and work and projects that i've done i didn't think about any of that like none of it mattered i did not wish that i'd worked harder i didn't wish that i'd spent more time at my computer all i wanted was more time to be with the people that i loved And that this time has reminded me so much of that because we've all kind of like our lives the way that they were have died in a lot of ways. And they're going to come back differently. And we've had this moment to just reevaluate this big pause. And I think for so many of us, we've been able to see how important the people in our lives are, but we're not gone. We get to soak them up and be with them and share family dinners. And there's so much beauty in that.
1: Oh, there's so much. There's so much beauty in that, and, and and we talk to clients a lot about the idea that this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. But that's a good thing. It's the beginning of the end of things that were. What can be, and so it's the it's a rebirth. We we try to not think about endings and think about things as all as beginnings. So as we think about all these new beginnings that we have. Um, I I think about my new beginnings and the things that are important it's I'm important what the things that I see about me about my wife about my kids about my my parents my family my siblings my inner circle of the people who are the most important this is the opportunity it's the beginning to say you know what let's get back to basics let's get back to the to the basics and the simple joys of life and those simple joys are being with the people that you love, finding happiness, finding goodness, finding positivity in the most simple moments. It could be a car ride. It can be a crazy thing that happens in your home. And it, it's, it's one of the great lessons that, that I was given as a parent. Just love your kids. Hug them. Embrace the goodness in them.
0: And the proof that you can make such a big difference, even if you aren't necessarily with someone very frequently, is that I always saw you and Jill doing that growing up. And it's something I think about every single day and I carry out into my family. So I'm just so grateful and blessed to know you. And thank you for coming on my podcast. It was such an honor to have you, Brad.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for your friendship and thank you for just the incredible energy that you put out into the world. I'm I'm grateful for you and your family and so excited about all the great things ahead.
0: Thank you all again for joining me. If you liked what Brad had to say and want to learn more about the tools in his toolbox and how they can help you, you can actually visit him on his personal website. It's com. That's B-R-A-D-D-E-U-T-S-E-R.com. He has tons of downloadables and things that can help you get going in the right direction. His consulting firm, Deitzer, is available at dot com. And his book, Leading Clarity, is available on Amazon. I thank you all for joining me, and I look forward to joining you again soon. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma, No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma, No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. For next time. Love,
1: love, love, love,
0: love, love.
1: Má, 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 má.